It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross. And yes! Touchdown! I did it! Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric France and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for tuning in, joining us on a Monday. Hope you had a good uh, little break there. Some had longer breaks than others. Yeah, look who's talking. <laughs> I know. But I uh, hope you had a good time, a chance to reset and uh, visit family if you were so lucky. Uh, but uh, a lot of sports happening over the weekend and a lot for us to recap here because there were a number of local things that uh, did occur while we were away that we need to discuss, uh, and uh, certainly how it's looking going forward. A few more things to uh, to examine and look at for Utah State, Utah Jazz, uh, the world of the Mountain West, uh, some changes already in the coaching landscape in the Mountain West. Will there be others? Uh, but as always, if you want to chime in, we'd always love to hear from you on our Full Court Press text line, 435 435- Three three nine zero three two one to chime in. Um, yeah, we got Utah State, Boise State to recap. Uh, the regular season is over, but Utah State's probably going to have another opportunity to play. So, what does that look like right now for the potential bowl destinations for the Aggies? Uh, Utah State men's basketball continues to do well. Uh, they don't. A little bit of a break here, really, for them. Uh, probably a, a nice extended break. They played early last week, and they don't play until later this week. So one of the longer breaks that they'll have in the middle of the season doesn't get much easier uh, coming into the weekend. But uh, we can talk about that, what the latest Ken Pomeroy numbers look like for USU in the Mountain West. Um, and Jazz back in action tonight, hosting the uh, Chicago Bulls. Jazz in the middle of a... A bit of a slide here. They lost seven of their last nine games looking to rebound, but they've had a lot of games on the road, more back-to-backs than anybody else. So really looking forward to getting back home. So uh, a full full plate here, Jason, uh, of topics for us tonight on the Full Court Press. Yeah, lots to go over. College, pro, football, basketball, high school basketball. World Cup. World Cup, the works. Um I don't know how good my Boise State recap is going to be because I wasn't watching. <laughs> I was watching the USA England game, so you were I did, a little I, distracted. I was watching toward the end because I was following it. Um, you know, I made the, these plans like months ago. Once the schedule came out, uh, me and my three brothers—there's four of us—we all decided we were going to get together and watch the game, and that's what we did. And, of course, Boise State, of all the weeks for that to happen, it had to be that week where Boise State not only played on, it was, you know, a Friday, but it was also a morning game. So it's like... <laughs> it's like right on top. Like the most absurd coincidence for me to not really be able to follow the game as close as I normally do. Um, but 
I was following it. Utah State was playing well, and late in that second half, I pulled it up on my phone, so I was trying to watch a soccer game and a football game at the same time because I got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> had to be watching, especially because Utah State, was they were getting close, and they, they had a chance to win that game. They had a real chance to win it. They did. You know, it, it's uh, it, for those who watch SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt, uh, you know he does a segment called Bad Beats. And the way that game ended, it was uh, right out of a segment of Bad Beats. <laughs> Boise State favored by 16 and a half. Uh, two minutes to go here, Utah State has a chance to take the lead. And then in just a matter of a few plays, Utah State ends up you know, losing by 19. Yeah, it's, it's the kind of score that is incredibly deceptive because, yeah, if Utah State scores a touchdown, they go up late in the fourth quarter. But... That's not how it goes. That's, Utah State just—it's a rule. They can't beat Boise State. Uh, that's just—that's just a rule of college football right now. Uh, a couple of your texts coming through. We'll get to those. Uh, this is from five two four two. I had a debate with my friends. What quarterbacks are worse than Zach Wilson in the NFL? I can only think of the Saints quarterback. Uh, mess of a room. Uh, usually, whoever's starting for the Texans. Um, talking starters. Problem is, all the bad quarterbacks, I end up forgetting who they are. So I have to look up. Who's even the quarterback of Carolina? They've gone through a few. And that's probably uh, certainly a contention there. I mean, Zach Wilson's definitely going to be... Uh, among the worst, I mean, he's he's uh, definitely struggled lately, and I think they're pretty much moving past him. Um, but uh, yeah, it'd, it'd probably be Baker Mayfield. He hasn't started all the games; he's only started six games. Russell Wilson. So, if you're looking at QBR, just sort of by QBR, uh, ESPN's kind of advanced. This isn't passer rating; it's ESPN's like advanced um, quarterback rating. Um, technically, where the heck is Zach Wilson? Actually, is he on this list? Oh, no, there he is. So, Zach Wilson, of 35 quarterbacks who seem to be qualified for the leaderboard for QBR, um, he's 27th on a list of 35. Below him are Kenny Pickett, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, wow. uh, Mac Jones, Carson Wentz, Joe Flacco, Russell Wilson, Davis Mills, and Baker Mayfield. Granted, Joe Flacco's only started three games. But the rest of those quarterbacks I named have all um, started at least six games. Zach Wilson started seven. Yeah, I, I think I would put Russell Wilson below Zach Wilson. It has not been a good season at all. I tell you, people get on Tom Brady for supposedly being a system quarterback. But if there is an example right now, based on the data we have, like, is there a bigger system quarterback than Russell Wilson? The guy has fallen to pieces <laughs> after leaving Seattle. He was a guy who there are people saying, oh, why has Russell Wilson never gotten an MVP vote? Which was a ridiculous argument to begin with, but he was good in Seattle. Which is an argument that we had on this show once. Yeah. And it's like, he was good. He won a Super Bowl, went to another, was clearly good enough to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback, uh, which is not an easy standard to reach. And so he was good. But clearly, a lot of that had to do with the system. Now, Grant, I don't think he's as bad as he's playing in Denver. But clearly, having a good system is very, 
very, very important for Russell Wilson. <laughs> he is like a fish out of water there in Denver. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So Tom Brady, he's thrived in a couple of different systems now. Three different head coaches. And he's still doing mostly fine. Granted, he's not having an out-of-this-world season, but still doing all right. Even at, what, age 37 plus 10, whatever it is. <laughs> I tried to think of a big number, and then I ended up in the 30s, even though he's in his 40s. Uh, 5242 with the follow-up saying, Sam Darnold and Zach are a toss-up for me. Yeah, both former Jets quarterbacks. <laughs> I'll tell you what, there is an interesting study to be done on, because we're talking about Zach Wilson, there's a very interesting study that I've looked into a little bit of what happens to quarterbacks who are picked second overall. There is like a legitimate curse. Really? Just about. You go back to 1993. I'm going to see if I can list all of them off the top of my head. You have, um, oh, now I'm spacing the, the uh, he was, oh, shoot, I can't remember his name. Rick Meyer. He was drafted by the Seahawks, number two overall. Then uh, Ryan Leaf. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one good one was actually after that. It was Donovan McNabb. He had an all right career. Yeah. Multiple time pro bowler. But he's like the one exception on a list of like 13 or 14 or close to that. Maybe seven or eight. Because the next ones are like RG3, Marcus Mariota, Carson Wentz. Um, like th- there's, a, there's a list and it goes on. And it's basically all of the biggest busts of the last 10, 15 years. <laughs> Wow, who were drafted number two overall. Yeah, number two overall, and usually behind another quarterback. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky's on that list as well. Mm. So it's like all of the quarterbacks that have been bad, most of them at least. Wow. So it's like there is a legitimate, you know, curse for quarterbacks who were drafted second overall. And it's only like post-1993. There's a handful of Hall of Famers that were drafted before 1993. But apparently nowadays nobody can draft quarterback second overall and get away with it <laughs> not in our modern modern era truly modern era uh let's see nine three one five texting in john gruden the nfl or the uh, unlv really john gruden the unlv really perhaps twitter sources twitter sources yes yeah, that's, that's uh based on the news of unlv firing their head coach they're they're going their separate ways from uh Yeah, then this is follow up UNLV bad decision making on firing a coach in a big upward trend. Yeah, so the news today is that UNLV has parted ways with uh, uh coach Arroyo um after he's there uh, three seasons. Um but in those three seasons he's only won seven games. Yeah. And I think what had people surprised is that, you know, if they had fired him after the second season it'd been okay, yeah, cuz he went all of what two and sixteen, I think. Yeah, two and sixteen in his first couple of seasons. Um, and you know, you go back a couple of months. UNLV's four and one. You know, people are thinking, "Oh, this UNLV team's completely turned around. They're doing great. They're fantastic." Royal's got them on a on an upward trajectory. Well, six straight losses later, technically six straight, they won this last week, so they lost six straight. Finally, break that streak, but. And they had to struggle to beat Nevada, which yeah. is a bad football team. Yeah, so, you know, one one and six span later, and he's gone. Which, even with that six-game losing streak, which is the entire back half of the season, it felt surprising. Because I was like, well, the guy at least started good. He, you know, that's their best season since 2017. 
and they were nominally bowl eligible, might have gone to a bowl, uh, and that would have been the first time since 2013. Because there were five and seven teams, but there's only, I think, 79 six-win teams. Yeah, so there's going to be a couple of teams that are appealing to the uh, NCAA to let them be bowl eligible, even though they're they only have five wins. Yeah, and UNLV would have met a lot of the criteria that if they needed an additional team, they could have been one of those to to go. Yeah, Mexico State may end up. I don't know what all the appeals process is like, but they seem to have the best case because they had a game canceled. Right. So, um, they went five and six and. Could have had a chance to win another one. I don't know if they would have. Yeah, I don't. San Jose would have beat them. Probably. <laughs> but still. But still. You never know. And they could have. But it's it's an interesting debate that I've been watching online uh, and watching people who who cover and follow UNLV. That And I've seen some of them as the season has gone on that early in the year, a lot of excitement there in Las Vegas about how things were turning around. And then it's just been a collapse. And a lot of games that they sh- should have won or been in position to win, uh, a couple of blowout losses where they just got embarrassed. Um, and so the, the frustrations from the previous couple of seasons resurfaced and apparently just boiled over, even though it looked like they were showing some signs of improvement. But the way that they finished off the season had a lot of people in Las Vegas frustrated. And they're saying, all right, we've got to go in another direction. Yeah, and there's a debate to be had whether or not, you know, because there's times where you have a bad coach and a lot of people want them fired, but then they, like, have a good stretch, and then that justifies that coach staying on. It'll happen. You know, it'll happen in baseball, uh, you know, football and hockey and whatnot. They'll, They'll win a few games and they'll do, you know, they'll do all right, and the ownership justifies keeping that coach on and ends up being a bad decision. So I can certainly see this as, you know, still just a good decision to say, hey, unless you had just completely turned it around this season, we weren't going to keep you around. This is the fact that they still had a losing season, the fact that they had a really bad collapse in terms of, you know, what the expectations were after five weeks as opposed to now. Um, there's certainly justification to let him go and say, all right, you know, thanks for building us at least a little bit, you know, building us from two wins in two years to, you know, at least five. But we're going to go with somebody else, and we're going to have them take the next step. And I can certainly understand that logic because there are too many teams and franchises and whatnot that hang on to a coach too long because they had a three-game win streak at the end of a five-and-seven season. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I mean, look, Marcus Arroyo showed signs of improvement within the program. Certainly we know what he did to Utah State. Uh, this year, but that loss just stings a little bit more when you look at how they ended their season. But it it takes some time to rebuild the program. We saw that with Utah State. Uh, unless you know you've got somebody kind of already lined up or zeroed in on who's going to take you to a better place, it just seems a little bit surprising to me that they wouldn't give him one more year because it's not like that's a proud program that's used to going to bowl games. And so if if that was a, a three-year stretch at some other places in the Mountain West, clearly makes sense why you'd make the change. But it's not like UNLV has this long history of 
you know, challenging for the top of the Mountain West. And so when you had a, a program that was starting to make progress this year, it seems a little premature. I would have thought that maybe he could have gotten one more year. But I also understand the, this, the, the, the sheer frustration that things aren't getting better faster. When you consider the, the, the destination and the facilities that UNLV has to attract athletes, they should be better than what they are. And I think that's also part of the frustration among those who cover uh, UNLV and its boosters and its fan base. I think the argument for one more year is is if and I find myself walking myself into more and more that this is the right decision, even though I was initially surprised, just the more I'm thinking about it now, just the more I feel like it probably is the right decision to move on. Because you look at you look at Arroyo, like outside of what, the first little bit of the year. So he goes four and one. Well, let's say let's exclude the three game win streak he had against North Texas, Utah State, and New Mexico. Which is not the most impressive win streak now that we look at it. Yeah. So outside of that, what is he? So he went uh, I'm trying to do some quick math on the fly here. So uh outside of that three game stretch, he's four and twenty three as a coach. Like you talk about, you know, there being enough for one more year, there's plenty right there to fire him anyway. So we're basing one more year off of a three-game stretch against New Mexico, Utah State, and North Texas. I feel like that's a hard ask. Especially given he then went on to lose six straight games and barely (laughs) beat Nevada. So, like, it did come as a surprise initially to me, but just the more I think about it and the more I look at, all right, you know, the past where you've had teams make the mistake of, all right, he won those three straight games, let's, you know, you know, give him another year or worse yet you have Michigan State giving Mel Tucker a giant extension because he had one good year it's like there's a lot of teams that make the mistake of giving one more year one more contract to a coach who just doesn't have the resume and obviously you don't like to see a guy you know get his marching papers but and and I also get the you know V's not a proud program but still when a guy goes 7 and 23 over three years any coach is going to get fired from for that. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes. But I remember well, part of it too could be just what's the feeling around that that campus? What's the feeling within the program? Cuz when Gary Anderson showed up, his first two seasons, he won four games both in his first two seasons, four games the first year, four games the second year. But there was clearly an attitude and a feeling like things were changing. It was obvious that there was a, a sea change occurring, even if it didn't show in wins and losses. Then his third season, they get to a bowl game. His fourth season, they win 11 games. So it, we could tell that there was something happening. But I don't know that I've ever really heard that from, from people in Las Vegas about Marcus Arroyo. Yeah. Uh, it's get a, there was a, there was a lot of positive energy earlier in the year, but then it turned to a lot of frustration as the season went on. Big time blowouts to San Jose Air Force, Notre Dame, which, understandable. I mean, they were more respectable against Notre Dame than they were against Air Force or San Jose. 
but they just I mean, probably that Hawaii loss was probably his death knell. To be honest, you can't go to Hawaii and beat that program, who's among the worst in the country. Then there's there's clearly some problems. Yeah, and the fact that this team was on a six game losing streak. That's what can do it to. Because look at you know Blake Anderson, his first two years, mind you, Oreo went two and sixteen in his first two years. Gary had eight wins in his first two years. So clearly, just more production. Then in his third year, he went to a bowl game. Right. Arroyo in his third year lost six straight games and failed to get to a bowl game after starting four and one. Opportunities to become bowl eligible. Uh, Fresno State. I think at that point, Hainer was back. But they played him to a touchdown. But the losing at Hawaii, that was really your, your opportunity to get bowl eligible, and they missed missed yeah. it. So it's that's the big reasons they just were on such a downhill slide at the end of the season. You know, if it you know, and you look at Blake Anderson. If they'd started four and one, five and one, and then, you know, lost and ended up going 6-6, six and six. there'd be a lot different feeling. Now, it wouldn't be firing like Arroyo because Anderson does have, you know, the year prior where he goes to a Mountain West championship. But it would still be a huge, completely different feeling. Oh, yes. If it had happened at the end of the year the way it did with Arroyo. So that, that plays Especially into considering some of the other off-the-field things that have surfaced in yeah. the last couple of months. So that, 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 again, plays a part of it where it's it's timing. Where he starts out good, then just fails. Like, okay, he's he had a good three-week stretch, and he's back to who he is, which is a coach that wins two or three games a season. So how do you feel? Uh, three years, not quite enough for Marcus Arroyo? Should he have been given one more year after getting you know, more than double his win total this season compared to where he was the previous two? 435-339-0321. Uh, where do they go from here? Does that do, is UNLV any different of a uh, you know, potential coaching, interesting coaching destination, or is it still a place where some coordinator at a Power Five school gets elevated to be a head coach for the first time? That's generally what I'd like to see if I were UNLV is you know get a coordinator, get a Power Five coordinator in there. Um, Granted, there's there's a couple of different ways you can do it. I've already said my favorite is to to elevate a lower G5 head coach who has a history of success. But I think a coordinator, that's something that's worked in the past too. So you got to move up the coaching ladder somehow. Um, and it, it'd be better for a coordinator at a P5 school to go to a G5 school and start as a head coach because it's a little bit easier, a little bit less stressful. You're not getting murdered by the by the press every week. True. Um and obviously there's not huge expectations for UNLV, so if you walk in and go 6-6, six and six, you're hailed as a hero. So it'll be the first time they've been to a bowl in 10 years. But UNLV has a unique opportunity. They are an R1 academic institution, a research institution. So if they, if they could get football going, they've got a beautiful venue, uh, they've got a respectable basketball program, respectable basketball history, they could potentially be a Pac-12 target. Yeah. If they get a coach in here, if they nailed their next head coaching hire, and he comes in and wins like 27, 30-ish games in a three-year span, 
And I don't know if that'd be enough to establish, you know, baseline of, of success given the rest of UNLV's football history, at least recent history. But if you can, you know, make the case that, hey, look, this is a new program. We've got, you know, a great head coach and we're completely new, then yeah. Suddenly they look like a great Pac-12, you know, fill-in for USC and UCLA. Um, and then obviously UNLV probably wouldn't end up losing its head coach as much as they might. You know, usually <laughs> coach went into UNLV and won 27 games in three years, he's off to a P5 job. Quickly. But if you turned that UNLV in, into a P5 job, then he'd be more likely to stay. Look at Kyle Whittingham. Now, I don't know if he'd have left, I don't know if he'd have left even if they hadn't, you know, left the Mountain West. Because he has a certain, seems like he has a certain level of loyalty. But once Utah went to the 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 Pac-12, Whittingham was never going to leave. Because there's no. no reason for him to. Though he was a target once many years ago at Michigan. Yeah, he certainly was a target. And so there's a possibility he could have left. I certainly get the vibe that he wouldn't have. Because he's, you know, one of the last of those coaches that's yeah. just going to stick around. Um, you know, the Stu Morals and whatnot. I mean, even Bronco Mendenhall left BYU. <laughs> I never saw that happening. Yeah, that's true. But he's a weird guy. But yeah, once again, once Utah went to the Pac-12, Whittingham was was gonna stay. And that was that. So, if UNLV nails the coaching hire, that could be their ticket to the Pac-12. Maybe. Maybe. Again, I don't know if three or four years is is a, is enough to convince the Pac-12. But I mean, the Pac-12 does have Colorado. In their conference. <laughs> That's true. Uh, all right. We got to take a time out here in the full court press, but more texts coming through. We'll get to those. We'll continue to uh, recap what happened in Boise. Utah State played really well in that second half, gave themselves a chance to win. Uh, and then we'll also look at the updated bowl projection picture for Utah State. What are the p- uh, potential destinations for the Aggies and uh, any destination that or, or matchup? that stands out to you above the others. We'll explore that as well. Coming up next on the Full Court Press. Nothing compares to the warmth and feel that a wood stove provides. The two-time Best of Northern Utah winning team says there's never been a better time to replace your old inefficient wood stove and install a new energy-efficient EPA-certified Vermont casting wood product in your home. The U.S. government is offering federal tax credits of 26% on your wood stove install for Vermont casting units that include stoves, bending, and labor. Call or email Advanced Fireplace and Stove for a free in-home estimate. Call 435-752-7272 or go to advancedfireplaceandstove.com. I'm here with Mark Anderson from Anderson Seed and Garden. Mark, can you tell us a little about your experience with ChemDry of Northern Utah? You know, our carpets get really dirty at Anderson Seed and Garden, and we clean every January. Our timing is is kind of difficult. I called Daryl, and he was amazing to work around our schedule. They came in and cleaned our carpets. They looked like brand new when they were all done, and uh, they've just been amazing to work with. ChemDry of Northern Utah. Seven five two six one hundred. And now the, the, the Dan Patrick Show. Dan Patrick. I don't think there's anybody who thought Patrick Mahomes doesn't have enough time to be able to go down and score and and beat the Chargers. <laughs> That's how I felt. No, and, and and look, I I just realized, you know, there's just certain things where in sports you accept it. The Dan Patrick Show. Dan and the Danettes and you. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. 
The Young Automotive Group is proud to announce Young Truck and Trailer Center in Cache Valley. Whether it's heavy equipment trailers, horse trailers, race car trailers, or cargo and utility trailers, we're excited to offer some of the finest trailers and flatbed work trucks to Cache Valley. Our team of experts look forward to helping you find the right truck or trailer to fit your needs. With competitive prices offered on every make and model for sale on our lot. With our extensive inventory, you'll find the best deals right here in Cache Valley. Young Truck and Trailer Center, just off Highway 89 in Logan. Think young, drive young. This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your home team when local matters. Valley Office Systems is your local provider for all things office, copiers, printers, furniture, and document management. Proudly serving Cache Valley since 2007. Visit valleyofficesystems.com. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Valvoline Synthetic, Valvoline Max Life Oil. Those are the engine oils that your vehicle loves. Valvoline Instant Oil Change has them and more. They're located at 695 North Main in Logan, right there by Angie's. And uh, they're quick, clean, and easy how it should be when it comes to getting your oil changed. So stop in today at Valvoline Instant Oil Change. So Utah State uh, football making the trip up to Boise. And rough first half. Really a, a rough second quarter, to be more specific. Played Boise State to a scoreless draw in the first quarter. Uh, they opened the second, I mean, in the red zone, basically on the goal line. But um, after recovering from that, Utah State started to settle down uh, and settle in defensively as well as offensively. And uh, uh, you saw Cooper Legoff throw the ball for over 300 yards. Calvin Tyler Jr. ran well. Multiple wide receivers uh, looked really solid. Terrell Vaughn had himself a career day, big day for him. Uh, McGriff getting going late. And Aggies were in a position. They were in the red zone with about you know two minutes to go. And ball gets slightly tipped at the line. It flutters. It's picked off uh, inside the 10-yard line. And uh, you know Tyrese Green, he just gets loose and uh, runs 91 yards to the house. And then Utah State comes back and a few plays later, pick six for Boise State. So that final score, way more lopsided than that game actually played out. Yeah, when you look at what Utah State did, it was everything Utah State needed to do to win the game. Maybe not quite everything on defense, but they're holding up. You know, 28 points. Holding them to 28 points with a minute 28 to go, you know, and give obviously they only gave up one more touchdown, uh, the defense at least, and that was you know after a back-breaking, you know, gut gut punch of a moment. So it's hard to blame the defense for allowing that kind of thing. But offensively, you mentioned Laga, like his third straight career day passing, goes for over 300. I didn't think he'd be able to do that against a Boise State defense that. Statistically, I think they were number one in the country in yeah. not allowing passing yards. Now, there's a bit in there about, you know, the toughness of the passing teams they've faced and also, you know, playing Air Force. But still, you don't get to number one on accident, and they certainly hadn't. Um, so I don't I didn't know if Legault was going to be able to do, have this kind of game. And he played well in terms of being able to get some chunk yards. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Vaughn having a good game. So, like, in terms of passing, they did really well. You know, Calvin Tyler Jr., not a superb game, but you still you get 65 yards out of him, 51 out of Lega on the ground. 
that's what they needed. They needed to run the ball at least decently. You know, 3.7 yards per rush for the team isn't amazing, but it's workable, especially when you're throwing for 300 yards through the air. So Utah State was doing a lot of the things they need to stay in this game. Obviously, with 90 seconds to play, they were within five points. They were on like the 10-yard line. They had a chance to win the game, or at least go ahead and then play defense to win the game, which they very well could have. Right. So that's all you wanted to ask from Utah State was to have a chance to win this game. would have been amazing if they'd pulled it out. But they couldn't, and that's just life. And I applaud the the play calling in throwing out some trick plays. Uh, A few hit. uh, Several did not. Uh, I, I think it was a right call to be made it just wasn't executed and even if they get half of those I think it's a totally different outcome um but that's so I don't blame the play calling I know there were some people after the game Friday you know really upset with Anthony Tucker and his offensive play calling I really didn't take issue with it maybe first half it was stagnant it wasn't very interesting but it got better as the game went on and then the, rolling the dice, showing confidence, even though you know trick play didn't work early on, they still went with others. So I, I it's just this was a team that took chances, and I applaud them for that. Just the players didn't execute it right, or at least not enough. Yeah, and the thing is, the offense is beginning better and better the more they've been trusting Cooper Lagat to actually throw the ball, because early on. They weren't trusting him to throw the ball very much, and their offense was shaky. Now it's been better and better, and against one of the better defenses they've seen all year, they had a decent game. And, you know, they're able to move the ball up and down the field a little bit. And again, almost had enough offense to pull ahead with less than 90 seconds to go on the road against the potentially Mountain West champions. We'll see. Uh, 8968 texting in. Too bad the Aggies didn't play UNLV at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, might have had a seventh win there. Yeah. Also, uh, I guess an earlier text here from um, 8968 that we skipped. Uh, I was sitting in front of my TV 90 seconds uh, to, uh, to, the, to go. Uh, Aggies in about the six-yard line, then moving the ball well. I can say, oh, my goodness, they might win this. Nah, they'll break my heart again. I've seen too many finishes to BYU games. I will say Boise got away with one, and they know it. Yeah, they came really close. But what matters is a win, and they got it. And scoreboard watchers won't know the difference in this one. No, nope. Uh, 9315, Aggie football will be on a new level if we can constantly beat the donkeys. I hope next year starts the trend where we were so close this year. On a good note, Aggie volleyball doing awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. something we didn't mention. You know, I was keeping track of it over the weekend because uh, I, I saw they were going to the Mountain West Tournament, which isn't a guarantee. I think they only take six teams from the conference to go play. Utah State were the four seed, so they actually were favored in the first game. They beat five seed New Mexico, who they'd actually lost to twice in the regular season Ooh. by a combined, you know, six sets to one. So they just Ooh. about got swept twice. Swept New Mexico faced the number one seed, UNLV, swept them. Who had been on like a big, long winning streak, right? Yeah. 
and, and then they go face the two seed, San Jose State, coming from the other side of the bracket, and they actually lost the first set to the Spartans and then won the next three. So Mountain West champions, second year in a row. Granted, last year was co-champions of the regular season. This year it's champions of the conference tournament. It's a little different hardware, but it's still hardware. Still very cool. Very, and, very cool. And they're going to play in the NCAA tournament. They play Arkansas? Yeah, they're playing Arkansas on Friday. And we'll be looking to see if we can get Rob Nielsen on the show early in the next couple of days. Before they make their trip. Yeah, before they make their trip. We'll see if we can get a conversation with him. We had a conversation, I believe, I believe we talked with him before the year, didn't we? Uh, early in the season. Yeah. yeah, early in the season, maybe just before. Oh, no, it was right after they beat uh, like UCLA or something like that. Yeah, right before they were going to go to BYU. That was, that was right after their whole... That whole debacle. Debacle with Duke. Yeah, so we, we have had Nielsen on, but now we're going to have him on again on the heels of more success. Yes. He's really turned this volleyball program around that had been good, had a huge dip in terms of uh, having just a really rough couple of years. And he's flipped them around to kind of even better than what they were doing before. So, yeah. obviously, re- really good job by uh, Rob Nielsen here. Almost too good because now he might end up going somewhere. <laughs> That happened to the gymnastics program. Uh, that's they got true. to an, like an all-time level for gymnastics just about, and then they lost their coach to Clemson, who's starting up a gymnastics program. Uh, let's see, a couple more texts coming through. 9315, what was the payout for firing the coach at UNLV? Can they afford to do that? Well, obviously they can, or else they wouldn't. Uh, but I don't know what the payout was. Usually I, it's a percentage of what you have left. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't look it up. I thought about looking it up but i haven't uh yeah i don't know uh also titus swen has been dismissed from the the uh, wyoming cowboys football team is this true yes it is true Mm -hmm. he's in the he's in the transfer portal now yeah uh, coach bull with some strong words like we don't put up with that behavior and we're not going to say anything more don't know what happened up there i don't know what he did i mean he had a himself a heck of a career he put up uh like 17 almost 1800 yards last couple of seasons he he did something that was a no no. Yeah, he then he tweeted out something about uh, oh some vague you know be yourself you know live, but not and some highlights of him and now he's in the transfer portal, reportedly. I mean I don't think he can technically enter yet or can he? Uh, I think it's now open. Yeah, because it's end of the season. And now, yeah, end of the season, so it's going to become a a flood of people announcing they're available. Yeah. That being said. <laughs> Yeah, it's that being said season. Yeah, that's... Uh. Uh, a couple more checks coming through. 9758. Remember that UNLV had a different AD when they hired their football head coach. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. That is true. And you'll see this um, quite regularly. New AD comes in. It's not the guy they hired. wasn't the person that they would have selected. They think they have some connections or uh, somebody that they believe they can get here that will be different. And so any standing head coaches when a new AD is brought in, all of them have anxiety because it's not the guy who hired them. And uh, it, it's often that um, you know they try to find somebody else. Oh, thank you, 9758, answering the question. UNLV buyout, $2.3 million. Or yeah, I'm Arroyo. just going- I'm just going through. There's one, at least one Twitter account. There's probably half a dozen of these, but trying to track transfer portals and 
All today is just full of <laughs> so and so has entered the transfer portal. So and so has entered the transfer portal. <laughs> Those are just the ones we know about. Five eight seven nine. Texting in, uh, talking Utah State football, you've got my attention. I say we take the offer to go to the Idaho Potato Bowl and bowl out and beat up on some unsuspecting G5 teams. That would be nice. I saw, like, the first – there was one projection that said, like, the first responders bowl, and I'm trying to remember who they were projected to face. I think it was SMU or something like that. It would have been, like, 13.5-point underdogs. <laughs> All right, so I, I went through today and uh, d- tried to find as many different credible – Bowl projection sites. I mean, you didn't go to my projection <laughs> site that I there were a few that I'm like I don't know if I <laughs> trust that's a very credible source. Uh, we'll go through that next. Actually, we got to call a timeout here in the full court press. But where could the Aggies go bowling? Uh, a number of different publications have them going to the same place, different opponents. But um, it's kind of between. Really, it sounds like one of three different destinations potentially, maybe four. But we'll update you on that coming up next on the Full Court Press. Hi, this is James with White Pine Funerals. We're excited to host our annual holiday concert featuring a choir and musical ensemble by Jay Richards. All are welcome to attend free of charge. We extend a special invitation to anyone who is missing a loved one this holiday season. Food donations are encouraged at the door for the Cash Food Pantry. Back-to-back performances will take place at White Pine on Thursday, December 1st at 7 p.m. and 8.30 p.m. That's Thursday, December 1st at 7 p.m. or 8.30 p.m. It's game time, and you're in the locker room ready to take the field. But suddenly, you notice a player you don't recognize. He's wearing your team's jersey, and he even knows your name. But you've never seen him before now. Would you trust this stranger with your team's playbook? That's exactly how phishing scams work. And the first quarter of 2022 saw the highest volume of phishing attacks ever recorded. Protect your business with the Les Olson Security Suite from Les Olson IT. Learn more at lesolson.com. Why do Santa and Mrs. Claus shop at Daryl's Appliance? It's easy. It's a Black Friday sale like no other. This is Jay with Daryl's Appliance. Save up to $800 on select Maytag, Whirlpool, GE, Beko, and Frigidaire appliances. Plus, you get their limited Black Friday pricing. Need financing? No problem. Get 12 to 18 month deferred interest financing. Don't forget our no risk warranty and the Daryl's difference because service always comes first. Daryl's West on Airport Road open until 6 p.m. on weekdays, 5 on Saturday. It's back. Jarek's Fine Jewelry in Logan is having our annual Pick a Pearl event. If you've attended this in the past, you know how much fun we have. And if you haven't come before, you don't want to miss this exciting event. For only $10, pick your oyster, open it that day, or save it for that stocking stuffer surprise. Mark your calendar Friday and Saturday, December 9th and 10th. Pick a Pearl at Jarek's Fine Jewelry. Look for the bright green cars. You have to see it to believe it. The new Three Peaks Medical Plaza is Cache Valley's newest and most up-to-date medical facility. Cache Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat, the Allergy Clinic, and the Hearing Aid Center are now located in the Three Peaks Medical Plaza in North Logan. The entire staff and doctors Benyon, Blotter, and Robinette look forward to helping you and your family at this state-of-the-art medical facility. Cache Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat is now located in Providence and Three Peaks Medical Plaza, 2245 North 400 East in North Logan. Go to cachevalleyent.com for details. Most insurance products in including select men are accepted. Prodigy Brewing has so much appreciation and gratitude for the warm embrace Cash Valley has given us. We want to invite you to join us for Sunday brunch from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. 
Our Sunday-only brunch menu features sweet and savory options such as choro French toast, chilequiles, fried chicken egg sandwich, and a Bloody Mary bar. You also won't want to miss our hash browns. Whether you're out with the family or friends, Prodigy Brewing is the place to be in Cache Valley. Open seven days a week, located at 25 West Center Street in beautiful downtown Logan. Breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Jason Walker. Uh, so looking at potential bowl destinations for the Utah State Aggies, uh, went through and tried to find as many different uh, bowl projections out there from what I would deem s- semi-credible sources. You get the Eric Franson seal of approval. <laughs> so uh, strap in. Here we go. These are some of the different places, and uh, some of them are kind of repeats here, but uh, Jerry Palm at CBS has Utah State going to the Potato Bowl, taking on Bowling Green. Uh, ESPN, they have two guys who do theirs. Uh, both of them have Utah State going to the Frisco Bowl. One has them facing SMU. Another, South Alabama. Brett McMurphy uh, for Action Sports Network has the Aggies going to the First Responder Bowl versus SMU. 24-7 Sports, Frisco Bowl versus South Alabama. USA Today, Boca Raton versus Georgia Southern. Athlon Sports, first responder versus UTSA. Yahoo, uh, College Football News, they've partnered up. Uh, Potato Bowl versus Buffalo. And the Sporting News, Frisco versus East Carolina. So one that seems to be popping up more than any other is the Frisco Bowl, which sounds pretty pretty credible. Uh, I think that would be a, uh, a likely destination for USU. They went there in what, 2018? 2019. 19? So they've been there before. Um, it's been a few years since they've been there. But that gets uh, the Aggies to the, uh, the Dallas metro area. And if I'm not mistaken, when is the Frisco Bowl? Isn't it like the early on in the, in the bowl season? Oh, I didn't. I think it is. Let me. Uh... No, I don't. Remember. I didn't put dates. I should have looked at the dates when I put that together. Um. Well, that's the 2021 Frisco Bowl. Um. Well, last year was played on December 21st. And I'm trying to look up. Okay, it'll, December 17th is what they're saying for this year. Okay, so that's basically the opening weekend. Yeah, because the bowls begin on the sixteenth, and the uh, Frisco Bowl would be the uh, the late one on the uh, on the seventeenth. So seven fifteen kick on ESPN. Yeah, there's other bowls that I think I don't have the bowl schedule in front of me because I mean the New Mexico that one might end up with a couple of higher teams. Because, I mean, in 2018, Utah State was in the New Mexico Bowl, and they were, you know, 11-2 and two or whatever, or 10-2. and two. And uh, they brought in another, like, 10-2 and two, um, G5 team. So that's probably a little too high for them. Be like the Potato Bowl, Frisco Bowl, maybe First Responders. Like, those are the bowls you're all looking at. Um, and, and generally every year, Utah State's span of possible bowl games is, like, at this point, 
the LA Bowl if they, you know, win the conference. The Arizona Bowl, New Mexico Bowl, Potato Bowl, and Frisco Bowl. Maybe a couple of others. So, like, you're going to be cycling between these five or six bowls for a few years. Yes. So, and, and obviously they only went to the Frisco Bowl once, but that's because it's a relatively young bowl. Um, but it'd be interesting to go back. You know, obviously last time they went there, they lost. Handed Kent State their first ever bowl win. Yeah. That's happened a couple times now. Utah State handed Akron their first ever bowl win. Back in 2014, 2015, one of those years. Yeah, they, so they shouldn't have lost. <laughs> no, yeah, first responder, and I don't, I don't know the bowl payout differences on these, um, but first responder that would be December twenty seventh, if they end up going to that one. Um, you know, Potato Bowl, New Mexico Bowl, Frisco Bowl, those are all early part of the bowl season. Certainly later would be better. In my opinion, just give yourself more time to prep with your players and develop your guys. But um, there's also something kind of nice about just getting it done and and moving on. Yeah, I know there's there's some people that rather just get it over with. And I don't know where this Utah State team stands in terms of just wanting to get it over with. But certainly they'd like a chance to at least just play in a bowl game, get some practices in get out there, play a good bowl game, get a winning record. Because that's obviously that's their goal at this point. They couldn't get the winning record, you know, uh, against Boise State, so they'll have to settle for um, getting a bowl win to get above 500, which um, Utah State hasn't been very good at doing that whenever they're 6-6. Six and six. They tend to lose. <laughs> so so uh, quickly, so here's a final updated list. This is as of uh, just about a week ago. Uh, the New Mexico Bowl projected to be just over a million. Um, the and so I'm looking at bowls that Utah State could potentially go to. The Frisco Bowl, six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Famous Idaho Potato Bowl, eight hundred thousand. Boca Raton was one that was mentioned, nine hundred thousand. Um, the uh, Hawaii Bowl, one point two. But it looks like they're choosing San Diego State. There's some news today. It looks like San Diego State is going to be the Mountain West representative going to that bowl. Yeah. Uh, first responder, $824,545. Very specific number. <laughs> really, really uh, splitting hairs with that there. <laughs> yes. Um, and I'm trying to think, uh, what other Mountain West tie-ins here? Oh, the Arizona Bowl, 350000 Trying to avoid that one if you can. Uh, and I think that's that's probably it for the Bulls that uh, – Utah State could potentially be connected to. So New Mexico, actually probably the better payout opportunity of uh, the bowls that, that have been mentioned. Yeah, certainly we'll see if they can get in there again. Like in 2018, that was a pretty good G5 bowl, a couple of 10-win teams. Maybe they've fallen far enough that they'll end up getting a couple of 6-win G5 teams. We'll see. Sometimes these things can change year to year. Uh, we do need to take another quick timeout. We'll be back on that. Continue to get your thoughts on uh, wh- where would you like to see the Aggies go uh, to go bowling because they're now bowl eligible. End of the regular season. Now conference championships are still to be had, which can determine some of these bowls and how that ties in. But uh, where would you like to go and who would you like to face? Happy holidays from Birch Creek Golf Course. For your golfer this Christmas, I invite you to visit birchcreekgolf.com. 
Birch Creek's online store offers punch passes that are on sale at the spring sale price, as well as driving range passes and discounted golf lessons from our PGA teaching staff. So for your golfer this Christmas, I invite you to visit birchcreekgolf.com and enjoy Birch Creek's virtual online store. And happy holidays from your friends at Birch Creek. There is a gift that goes for everyone at Cash Honda Yamaha. Take home a side-by-side, an ATV, a motorcycle. Get in early for their very limited supply of youth Honda CRF dirt bikes. From the CRF 50 to the CRF 250. Save 500 to 900 on Yamaha e-bikes. The perfect gift that goes might just be a Honda snowblower or a Honda generator. Helmets, goggles, gloves, hats, box and fly riding gear, and casual wear are popular gifts. They really do have the gifts that go at Cash Honda Yamaha at the light in Hyde Park. Hi, I'm Celeste Edmonds, Executive Director of the Christmas Box House. When I was a foster child, Christmas felt like something that was for everyone but me. Christmas should be for all children. The Christmas Box is working with the Utah community to provide Christmas for nearly 2,800 at-risk children. To learn how you can help today, please contact us at thechristmasbox.org or Google us. Thank you and happy holidays. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh, right now is a good, good time to get that ice melt going on. About 50 pounds of ice melt for just $10 a bag at Napa Auto Parts. You can also find a lot of other great deals there on items to help prepare you and your vehicle for winter driving. Go check them out. There's five locations between Preston and Providence. That's Napa Auto Parts. So we went through a number of different potentials of where you know Utah State could be headed for bowl games and uh, some of your ideas there where you'd like to go, uh, who you'd like to face for the Aggies. Uh, we'll get to that. But want to get through some of your texts, uh, 8798, texting in, uh, Anthony Tucker's play calling has been the most inconsistent, frustrating thing to watch and deal with all season. I've not had a huge problem with it for a little while. Um, certainly it felt almost stupidly conservative early on. I think he's managed to round things out. And execution certainly helps. Honestly, the biggest thing when people talk about a coach's play calling, it's not so much their play calling as just teaching their kids to execute the play calling. But Yeah, I think part of it is there's a lot of youth and inexperience. Um, but among players where there was experience, uh, even then there were some discipline issues, just not executing properly. I think it just took, unfortunately – a little too long into the season for things to really open up like what we saw last year. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a lengthy one here from 6543. There are 41 bowls. Don't you think that's too many? What do you think the optimal number of bowls should be? And what do you think the criteria should be for choosing bowl teams? It's not that hard for some of these teams to get six wins with how easy their schedules are. Something needs to change. Maybe they can do a college football playoff rank on all the FBS teams know the top 82 would be eligible for a bowl game. Yeah, you might be able to make a computer rank. It's harder to do computer rankings with uh, 
small sample size. So there has to be a lot of human element in there. Yeah, it's it's an interesting that becomes idea. controversial. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. But I think there's some interesting questions here to dive into. We'll discuss more next hour. Stick around. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The college football coaching carousel is underway after it was announced Wisconsin would officially hire Cincinnati head coach Luke Fickle. It's never been a surprise to see a coach jump to a major program, but between Fickle's fresh offseason extension and his lack of interest in the Notre Dame job last year, the move seemed a little odd. But with conference realignment reshaping college football, coaches may be starting to realize their best chance to win now is to join a mega conference. Brian Kelly left independent Notre Dame for LSU. Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma for USC. The Trojans will eventually join the Big Ten. And Fickle's now off to Wisconsin. With an expanded playoff coming as soon as 2024, there will eventually be more opportunities for non-traditional programs to make the playoffs. But with the committee putting so much emphasis on strength of schedule and an abundance of fresh cash flowing into these conferences, the opportunity to take a marquee job at a power conference is proving too good to pass up. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.